Tonight, we're going to look at Noah. And as we go through this series of hey, we're looking at different characters, Old Testament, New Testament, and they were people that were called out by God for specific reasons. You know, when you study the scriptures, a lot of times you can read the same passage or the same events that took place in the Bible over and over again, and you see something different every time. Well, that's what's happened whenever I was studying for this lesson. So we're going to look at Noah here and uh, just what happened. The true happening of Noah as told in the Bible. And I'm going to use that word true happening because I don't like the word story. Story makes, gives the implication that it could be true, it could be false. But these things really happened. And as we're looking at these things that happened and looking at these events, just try to picture that in the mind that this really did happen. To a man that is following and followed and obeyed the same God that we are following and obeying. So it happened in four chapters, Genesis 6 through 9. Only 97 verses. All the events that took place in, the, in Noah's life just happened in a few verses. There's only eight people in this happening. And there are only nine measurements we read about. There was gopher wood. There were rooms in the ark. There was pitch on the inside and out. There was a length, a width, a height. There was a window. There was a door. And there were three decks. So those are just some of the facts of it. And if you think about it, the actual size of the ark compared to the event that took place. I mean, we've seen floods that happen. We've looked in the news. We've seen floods. We've seen tsunamis take place. But this is a worldwide flood that covered everything. And here I found a picture that kind of compares the size of what the ark looks like compared to other ships that we have today. You've got the Santa Maria and the Wyoming, the wooden ships here. Of course, the Titanic. We know how reliable that ship was. One little iceberg took it down. The Queen Mary, which is the largest ship that we know that's on the waters. But here you have the ark. Very small vessel compared to the cataclysmic flood that took place on this earth. Some interesting facts regarding this flood that we read about. Science, facts, not people, had determined that a cataclysmic event such as a flood formed the Grand Canyon in about two weeks. There are people who say it took millions and millions of years of erosion to form such a vast canyon. But within the walls of the Grand Canyon, there are entire schools of fish that are fossilized within the wall. I, I watched a documentary years ago. I couldn't find it again. But in the video I was watching, the scientist was down there in the base of the canyon, and he was showing the film crew this entire school of fish fossilized inside the wall of the Grand Canyon. Now, how can the exact same species of animal, fish in this case, be fossilized perfectly together if it was millions and millions of years of erosion? It wasn't. It had to be something catastrophic like this, like this flood. I did some other research and said in the Badlands of Montana, there are several massive dinosaur graveyards. And in one of those graveyards, it's only 1.2 miles long, has 30 million fossil fragments in it of 10,000 adult species of dinosaur called the Hadasaurus. And here's a picture of it. Now tell me, if it's millions of years that happen, that take place, how can these adult, all adult, not a variety of different animals, not a variety of different species, but all of the same kind be in one place? It had to be some great thing that took place. 
So what was so special about Noah? That's what we're talking about. Hey, Noah, God calling him out. In our reading tonight, it says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent and thought of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So he said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creepy things and birds of the air, for I am sorry I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Why was Noah so special? Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God when nobody else would. God looked at the world and he saw wickedness all over the place. And, and the thoughts of, the, of people's minds were just evil all the time. But Noah walked with God. This is why Noah was called out for this special purpose. Because he walked with God. He was there to pull out this special purpose of saving mankind through these eight people. So there's two points I want us to consider for tonight. Like I said, when you read through the scriptures, you find something new every day, new every time. And these are a couple things I looked at. First of all, is our world any different than the day of Noah? And then the second one, it really jumped out at me when I saw it. How many times do you read about Noah speaking during these 97 verses? So the first one, how is our world any different than Noah's world? Some things that are in our world. Alcoholism. People in the world take things that God said we should not partake and put in our bodies and we destroy our bodies. I'm sure that was present in Noah's day. Or how about focusing on stuff and not on God? When you think about it, whenever you start focusing on other things in the world, then God, our, our mind starts to drift and we forget about God. We kind of put them on the back burner. And we don't think about God, and we only want to do what we want to do. Does that sound like the world we live in? There's a lot of times that you see people, and there is no focus on God. You can tell just by looking at their lives. You know, here in a few months, there's going to be people, you know, Sunday morning, we have worship here at 9 a.m. And we get, up at nine, we get up, and we get ourselves ready, and we come to worship. But there's a lot of people in the world that can't do that. But I tell you what, come Black Friday... They're going to be at the stores at 5 a.m. getting that special buy because they're concerned about what they want. And that's just an idea of consumerism, just an idea that we focus on other things and not God. And that's what was going on in Noah's day because God saw the wickedness of man and he was only evilly thinking about things evil, not thinking about God. Other things going on in our world, in Noah's world, it's my choice. I can do what I want. And it doesn't matter what God says about it. There's a lot of things that go on in this world that are accepted in the world today. But when we look in the scriptures, like Tony started a lesson this morning about you know, giving us godly homes, things that we look at in the, in the Bible that said, this is what God has said. This is the mold. This is the format for family. But the world says, you know what? No. I'm going to make my choice. It doesn't make me happy. So I'm going to do what I want to and not listen to God's commands. That was going on in Noah's day. That's going on now. Another idea, another thought. Doing whatever I please. Things that I enjoy in life. Things that please my senses. Instead of what God has said and listening to the, God's commands according to how I should treat this temple he's given me, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of what God says. And I believe that was going on in Noah's day as well. 
Well, a couple more. One we talked about this morning, ignoring God's plan for the family. That's a big one that's going on today. Tony gave us a lot of statistics this morning, and some of them shocked me about the way the world thinks of the home and the family. But God gave us a structure for family within the scriptures, and that's what we should follow. But that was going on in Noah's time. It's going on in our time. And this one here, this last one, it, hatred, racism, not liking somebody because of a color or, or from where they're from. I've got a buddy of mine that I went to Bible college with, and we claimed to be twin brothers. And everybody looked at us like we were crazy. And then we would say, no, check out the profile. We throw our heads sideways. I'm from Ohio, and he's from Jamaica. They thought we were crazy. But a lot of people look at others who have different skin color. They talk different from a different part of the world, and they just don't like them because of where they're from. I'll give you an example. An elder friend of mine who's passed on now was telling me his brother was traveling one time, and they were down in Mississippi, and they were running late for worship services for that evening. And they stopped at a gas station to find out where the church was at, and just so happened there was another couple that was at the congregation, that was at the gas station looking for the same place. So they just followed each other there, and they went in together, and the elder's brother was a white man, and this other couple was a black couple. They went in, and they worshiped God, and after service was over, one of the other elders of that particular congregation came up to the elder's brother and said, don't you ever bring those kind of people in our building ever again. Racism within the church. It's here, it was there. So, then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The answer is our world is no different than Noah's world. So the question remains, why? Why hasn't he come back? Why hasn't he destroyed us again? And here Peter says, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but it's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He does not want us to perish. God wants us to respond. He wants everybody to be saved. But not everybody's going to be saved. It's a choice we have to make. It's a choice we have to make. And the question here is, why do so many people wait? Why do they wait so long to get their life right with God? Well, Earlier in that chapter, it says, where, someone said, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. People, it's been going on for so long, they don't think it's going to happen. They don't think Jesus is coming back. But the reality is, he is coming back. He is coming back. He was sorry he made mankind, and he flooded out the world. What's going to happen next? When Jesus does come back, what's going to happen? Well, there's not going to be another flood. Because here we have the promise, the underlying part. It says, never again shall all the flesh be cut off by the waters of flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So whenever God says he's sorry that he made mankind, he sends Jesus back, he's not going to flood us out again. Noah was warned about this. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. This next time, there's not going to be a warning. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. 
Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. There's not going to be a warning. Noah was warned. The people at that time are warned. We don't have a warning. We have to make sure that we have our life right with God now. Because honestly, since it says, come as a thief in the night, when does a thief come? Do, do, they, do they knock on your front door and say, hey, I'm here to rob you? No, they don't. They just come in. And I'm sure you've heard this before, but you know the Lord could come back before we finish this service here tonight. He could come back before my next three words that come out of my mouth. We don't know. We have to be prepared. Now let me tell you something that happened to a friend of mine named Gary Dell. This is my second point. The first point was, is Noah's world any different than ours? And no, it's not. What's he waiting for? He's being patient with us. He wants us to change. I have a friend named Gary Dell, and several years ago, he was a chaplain in the Lord's Church down in Arkansas. And Gary Dell had the opportunity through a hospital he worked with. He worked with a hospital that was run by the Catholic Church, and a lot of nuns working there. He had the opportunity in talking with people, and he arranged, they arranged it for him where he could go visit a monastery for a day. Something he always wanted to do. Wanted to go into a monastery and see what it was like. What it was like to live with the monks. So they allowed him to go there for a 24-hour period. He got there and he was excited. He had so many questions to ask. Well, when he got there, unfortunately, they were on a 16-hour vow of silence. He couldn't say a word. He couldn't ask a question. And even if he saw something funny happen, he couldn't laugh. He couldn't make a noise. He said for the first several hours, he was angry. He was upset. Because here's this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that a lot of people don't get, and he can't even ask questions. But then he said he got to thinking, you know, because he couldn't talk to anybody. And he realized that about 90% of the things that we say... We say just to hear our own voices. We talk too much. I read a statistic one time that said that the average woman speaks 24,000 words in a day. The average man speaks 12,000 words in a day. And the reason there's problems at home at night is because by the time the man gets home from work, he's done talking. The wife's only halfway done. We talk too much. How many times do we read of Noah speaking in those 97 verses? It'll shock you. Twice. There's only two times you read of Noah speaking in those four chapters, those 97 verses, during this entire event. The rest of the time, God is speaking and Noah is listening. That's our point. And, and here's where the two times that Noah speaks. It's in chapter 9. It's when he gives a curse and he gives a blessing. There he says... Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. It's the only time we read of Noah speaking. So the point is, maybe we need to be silent and just listen to God. We're talking so much that we can't hear him. The question is how? And I had a couple thoughts. First of all, through His Word. When you're reading the Word of God, are we reading it just to be reading it? Or are we reading it to get an understanding of what's being said? 
Are we re reading it to find something new that's in there? I like to find new things when I read the scriptures. Uh, I was teaching, I've taught this in several of my classes, but there's a spot in Exodus where they're singing a song of Moses and how God led them through the Red Sea. And it talks about the, the deeps being the waters being heaped up and congealed. And when I read that word congealed, I'm like, wait a minute. I like to cook. That sounds like jello. So did God part the Red Sea and then turn it into jello? That's what it sounds like. To find interesting facts like that. In Acts 16, verse 14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. When we read the Word of God, are we listening to what we are reading? Right here it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond. When we read the, God, read the Word of God ourselves, are we listening to what we're reading? Are we tuning everything else out and trying to focus on what we're reading? Focus on the message. I don't know about you, but when I read, I like to put a picture in my head to see what it was like. Because it makes it more, so much more interesting to know what's going on there. And if you can read through the scriptures, read through the Old Testament, there's so many true happenings that, that take place in there that it just blows my mind when I put that picture in my head. Gideon and 300 men against thousands? That's an amazing thing that happened. Or when you're in a Bible class or in a setting like this at a worship service and the Word of God is presented for you and you look at what the passage says, are you just reading the words or are you listening to what God is saying. Because when you think about it, where did the scriptures come from? Sure, there was men that spoke. They were guided by the Holy Spirit. But who gave them those words? Who gave those men those words? God did. So when you look at the scriptures next time, look down on it, and yet maybe words are black, sometimes red where Jesus is speaking in some translations. But what you're actually looking at is the breath of God. Because he's the one that spoke those words to us. And we need to be silent and just listen to what he has said. How about through prayer? Be silent and listen. Two scriptures. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Listening to God through prayer. Whenever someone stands up here in a worship setting and they lead a prayer and they mention somebody's name, I'm learning that one of our elders, whenever he prays for people, he mentions every name in that prayer because he wants God to hear this person and that person and that person and that person have needs and we're asking God, will you help them out? When someone else is praying, are we listening to the prayer or we're thinking about what's going on, what we're going to be having for lunch. Listen whenever someone else is praying. Or when we're praying to God. Are we listening? Are we being silent? Are, are we just praying because it's a Monday thing we do? It's just the, the rote prayer that we have. Or are we actually listening while we're talking to God? And letting Him talk back to us. In whatever fashion that may be. Sometimes we speak too much. 
Maybe we need to be like Lydia and just listen. There are many factual things we learn from the events that took place in the life of Noah, but there's also a lot of spiritual truths that we can get, that we can apply to our lives. And these were the two that came to mind when I was reading through this. The idea that our world is no different than Noah's world. We think that it might be worse because here God was so disheartened by the creation he had made that he wiped them out. We're not that bad because he's not wiping us out yet. And we think that the time, Noah's time, was a lot worse than our time. No. It's exactly the same. The same kind of people are walking the earth. People with a mind of their own. People who can come up with ideas. Who can come up with thoughts. Who can make a decision. You guys, everyone here, made a decision to be here tonight. There's so many other things you could be doing. The fair is going on. You could have been to the fair tonight, but you chose to be here. People back during Noah's time had a mind to make a decision. And those people who drowned in that flood made a decision to not follow God and not listen to God. And we know what their end result was. People in our world today, just like that, we have a mind to make decisions on our own. And we can decide if we're going to follow God or if we're not going to follow God. So the idea of talking too much, think about that. Do we talk too much? Do we blabber too much? I have two daughters and a son. And I bet I don't have to tell you which ones talk more than the other. Sometimes we do talk too much. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen. So my invitation to you tonight is, if you're here tonight and you're a child of God and you are falling short of following God, if you've not been listening to God the way you need to, if you've not been listening to His Word, if you've not been listening when prayer's going on, even whenever discussion's going on about God, if you're not listening and you've drifted away from God, we want to bring you back. We want to help bring you back. We want to pray with you. We want to help you get back in that right relationship with God. But if you're here tonight and you are not a child of God, don't wait any longer. We don't know when our time's going to come. The idea of Jesus is coming back, we don't know when it's going to take place. And here, here's, here's what it is. Jesus came to this earth because he loved us. He lived the life that he did and he served the people that he did because he loved everyone. He had compassion for them. Then he went to the cross because he loves us. Then he died on that cross because he loves us. He sacrificed himself for us. He was buried in that tomb and resurrected three days later. And just like Jesus, we just like when Jesus died, we can die to our sins. We can be buried in the waters of baptism. This water back here is ready all the time. All the time. And there's nothing special about the water. I was baptized in the Tennessee River, and I can't tell you how bad that stunk. But there's nothing special about the water. It's what it represents. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And we give that confession that we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We make that confession 
We get in that water and we have our sins washed away. We go down, completely bury ourselves, and come up a new person. Then we have a chance. And we don't have to worry about when he comes back. We can be anticipating it. I have a good friend of mine back in Illinois, and he's 15 years older than me, and he's got the best attitude about this of anybody I know. He says, I'm ready. I hope Jesus comes back today. I'm tired of living here. I'm ready to go home. He's not that old, but he's got the attitude right. He's ready to go home. So if you're here tonight and you're not a child of God and you're ready to have your sins washed away, we want to help you with that. So whatever needs you might have, why don't you come now as we stand and as we sing.